Good morning and welcome to this week's edition of Over the Bar with me, Sean Holland. Later I'll be joined by a cork hurling legend, but to start we'll look back at last weekend's action, starting with the football. And Leicester City claimed their first ever FA Cup trophy on Saturday evening, beating Chelsea 1-0. The goal itself came from Belgian midfielder Yuri Tillemans, and it was a goal worthy of winning any match. It came in the presence of 20,000 fans in Wembley and the reaction was something we've all been waiting for for quite a while. So just sit back and have a listen. We continue. Here's Yuri Tielemans. It's a stunning goal from Tielemans. The goal was scored midway through the second half and once it went in, Leicester pretty much parked the bus. Danish keeper Kasper Smeichel was doing his bit keeping the ball from hitting the back of the Leicester net and keeping out strikes from Mason Mount and Ben Chilwell. But it wasn't until two minutes from time that Chilwell, who actually joined Chelsea from Leicester last year, bundled the ball home and sent the Londoners into delirium. The players were running to the corner flag, coaching staff hugging each other and the fans were jumping up and down. Chelsea knew that that equaliser was going to give them the momentum into extra time and push them into the ascendancy until probably the most critiqued and criticised aspect of all football at the moment, VAR, came to Leicester's aid. On the screen it was shown that Ben Chilwell was marginally offside in the build-up and the goal was disallowed, leaving Chelsea players, coaching staff and fans deflated and allowing Leicester City to claim another major trophy in the club's greatest ever era. The footballing drama continued then on Sunday in the Premier League when Liverpool travelled to take on already relegated West Bromwich Albion. Liverpool actually went one goal down early on but soon replied with a Mo Salah effort and the feeling was that they would push on and win comfortably. But that didn't happen. West Brom made life difficult for the Reds and even had the ball in the net only to be disallowed due to interference with the goalkeeper. A decision that was not totally clear cut and caused much debate after the game. But as the game did fade into the dying embers, so did Liverpool's Champions League hopes, until they were awarded a corner kick in the 94th minute. And here's what happened. Yeah, keeper's coming up. This is going to give a, a real dramatic twist to the tail. Alisson. He gets it! He gets it! Alisson's done it! There is a dramatic twist to the tail. The goalkeeper is the goal scorer. Can you believe it? It was absolute pandemonium and it was Alisson, the Brazilian goalkeeper, who headed in the winner deep into injury time and putting Liverpool in charge of their own destiny with two games to go. Then later on in the week, Chelsea got their revenge over Leicester, beating them 2-1 and putting themselves into the driving seat for Champions League football. And on Wednesday, Liverpool beat Burnley 3-0 meaning that all three sides are only separated by one point going into the final day and leaves for a fascinating finale. Moving on to football here at home now in the Gaelic version and it was a very disappointing display from the Cork footballers in their first day out losing to Kildare 2-12 to 13 points. In what was really a vast contrast to their hurling counterparts, Cork looked toothless, disinterested and lacked any real attacking impetus. It seemed that every time the Rebels got the ball into the Kildare half, they didn't really know what to do with it. They were just constantly bringing the ball into the corner and letting Kildare set up their defensive lines. Kildare then just had to soak up the pressure, wait for the mistake and counter-attack off the loose passes. 
This performance throws a bit more petrol on the fire and ramps up the pressure on Ronan McCarthy and his coaching staff. With that performance, and obviously having just returned from a ban for his actions made over the lockdown period, which are already well documented, he's really just put himself in a tough situation. So I'd really expect a big performance this week against Leash. Because if the footballers continue in the same vein as last week, I'd imagine it'll be a very short summer for them. Moving on to hurling next, and our Cork team drew a Tipperary in a game that all the feelings of a championship match. Both teams, to be fair, performed well, and Cork could have even won it at the death, only for Par Horgan's final effort to rebound back off the post deep into injury time. But to be fair, three points out of a possible four does signal a positive start this year for the hurlers, and hopefully a run in the championship, and potentially some silverware. No silverware is something that a Cork team of old weren't too disfamiliar with. Growing up as a young fella, all I ever knew was a successful Cork hurling team. Trips to the All-Ireland final were almost a foregone conclusion for that mid-naughty side. They just had this incredible ability to grind out victories. They had a toughness, a steeliness about them, and they matched that with fitness and skill. And one of the men who was integral to the success of our last All-Ireland winning team was Grenaz Tom Kenny. Kenny formed one part of the Tom and Jerry show. Both Kenny and O'Connor were hugely influential figures in Cork's success in All-Ireland winning years of 04 and 05. Tom always gave it his all in the red and white for Cork and was the last remaining members of the 05 team that was still involved in 2013 when Cork lost out to Clare. He's since hung up his boots and life now holds different challenges and aspirations for one of Cork's greatest midfielders. So I'm delighted to say I'm actually joined today by the man himself, Cork's Tom Kenny. So, Tom, how's the farm and how are things going for you in life at the moment? Hi, Sean. How are you? Um, all good on my end, I suppose. Uh, we're all coming back out of lockdown, so trying to blow dust off the cobwebs, but uh, training the Granite Immediate this year and at some point during the summer, I'll probably be involved with UCC in county championship and, and freshers later in the year, towards the back end of the year. So, uh, that's about my, my plate at the moment, and I'm probably happy enough with it, to be honest, Sean. Yeah, you'll be kept busy anyway, you'll kept busy. And um, what I'll do to start off, Tom, is have a look back at your career. And um, right at the start, I suppose, obviously you've made your name as a hurler, but you were actually quite a talented footballer as well. You won a Munster Minor Medal in 99, and you are actually on both hurling and football teams for Cork in 2003. So what was it that made you choose the hurling over the football, Tom? Yeah, I suppose gr- growing up, I would have played hurling and football at the club, and inside the school in Farron Ferris, and... I probably always had a kind of a draw for for hurling more than football, you know. And mm-hmm. um, I actually I actually remember being inside in Farm Ferris and, and Tim Horgan and Sean Murphy were the football coaches at the time, and they used to play me full forward. And I remember pleading with them to let me play out the field, play out the field. You know, they, I, mm-hmm. I wanted to go out the field. And I sometimes look back and say, God, wouldn't it have been grand to say, look, I'll play away from the forward <laughs> and go from there. But I I just always had a draw, I suppose, from hurling growing up. I suppose watching. Car curling and things like that, and no, I would have been a big follower of car football too. But mm-hmm. I suppose my um, my mother's fam my mother's family is from down Aaron's own direction, and her sister used to live across the road from Brian Coughlin's home place. And during the summer, we call down there, and I suppose I'd see Brian, and I call down to the cousins. And while he played both growing up, he probably made his name more as a hurler, I suppose, in in the nineties, and that was probably my. In, in looking back, that was probably my biggest um, grounding or for love of hurling, you know, mm-hmm. Cooper and Cochrane. And as you say, I suppose we had a successful minor team in '99 in winning a Munster Championship. 
in football and that opened a lot of doors in terms of going on to senior panels and things like that. But ultimately in 2003, then myself and Sean Ogre on the hurling and the football panel and the footballers said Limerick down the park and on a wet Sunday, I remember it was around this time of year actually, and we were beaten well. Now I was stationed centre forward mm-hmm. on the back on the back of a couple of um, impressive games in, in a trial match or AVB game or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. I suppose in in hindsight, um, I was probably playing better than the player I was in those trial games, yeah. and uh, it didn't it didn't really work out that day, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the hurlers were playing championship a few weeks later then, and I suppose the Clone Look really wanted. Um, everybody to be on board. The footballers were playing Ross Common in the backdoor game on the Saturday around the start of June, and the hurlers were kicking off their championship on the Sunday. And look, you could see it from Don's point of view. Cork hurling was after going through a traumatic couple of years the previous few years, the previous 12 months, anyway. And I suppose he felt a lot of pressure on his shoulders to, to get Cork back up and running, and he wanted a full hand. And that was it. It was kind of, you know, what you want to do kind of thing. So we chose the hurling and we're leaving the footballers and Larry Tompkins in the larger small place both and we chose hurling and that that was just it and we kept going from there. And at the time if I could have kept going bo- with board I would have had but uh looking back now and the way the game is played I think I, I, I think back to all the games I played through U C C and with Cork and Graham, most and things like that and I, I wonder how I got through it all, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, and I suppose you actually didn't look back since you actually got on the hurling team then, and you went on to play Kilkenny in the final. And uh, yeah. di- did you, as a group, learn much from that defeat? And you personally, did you feel that helped you achieve what you did over the next few years? Like, I suppose so. I suppose we were bitterly disappointed in that. You know, we were we were riding the crest of a wave in two thousand and three. Um, you know, there was huge hurling support at their time and we beat Kilkenny, I suppose, so I didn't have the best of finals. I was marking Tommy Walsh, who I knew from UCC and um, I, 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 he just got a run in me, I suppose, in the first five or ten minutes and things just went against me and the selectors moved me into midfield at some point in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back, surprised, I was surprised I wasn't brought off, to be honest, about it, you know, because I couldn't get my hand for love and money on the ball in that first half. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of just, it kind of passed me by, you know, I was probably lost in the occasion of it all. And from that point of view, I probably learned learned the most, you know, that you take each game for what it is, a match in itself. And whether you're playing against someone you don't know or whether you're playing against someone you do know, you, you still um, approach the game in the same manner, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was probably the biggest learning for me. And look, as a team, it was probably a huge learning for us too because had we won that final in all three um Obviously, at the time, we would have been favourites to go on and do a lot of good things, but who's to say we would have done what we, we did at the time, you know? Exactly. Um, so it was probably a good learning as a group for, for where we needed to go. Yeah, definitely. And um, I suppose you kind of touched on it there when you got moved to midfield, I suppose it was before the Munster final in 2004. Um, you made the switch with John Gardner and you partnered up with Jerry O'Connor and I suppose it was a real huge factor in Cork's success in the mid-noughties. And did you feel more comfortable in midfield, Tom, rather than wing-back? Um, I, I didn't really, and I won't say I was. I felt out of place at the same time. I, I always enjoyed playing in the half back line because mm-hmm. it's a position where you can kind of see the game uh, happening in front of you. You know, yeah. Um, whether it's up up at the far end of the pitch or over on the left hand side or the right hand side, the opposite to you're playing, you can you can kind of see what's happening and engage where things are going. So I always enjoyed playing wing back, but I suppose at the time 
Um, Donald and the collectors probably felt either I needed a change or maybe John needed a change or, or vice versa. And it just seemed to work, you know. John John went from strength to strength, strength wing back. Um, I suppose it's myself and Jerry formed a partnership without ever kind of um, discussing how we'd play the game, you know. We, mm-hmm. we always had tactics going out in terms of what to do and what not to do, but at the same time, you were, when you're a midfielder, and my, from what I feel, is that you have a license to kind of, uh, not carte blanche, but you have a license to kind of go and do what you need to do for a team, you know, and you kind of go out and set the tone midfield and make the other player match you as opposed to going out and, and beginning to follow the other player, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, some days, obviously, that's the, the need most, and you might need to do a job in terms of making sure that your opposition midfielder is kind of tied down, but Definitely, as as we approached games, it was you know the old rule that you you go where you want, but at the same time have one round midfield helping out the back, linking up the play and that kind of stuff. And I I don't know, you kind of just seemed to take off and get into a routine, and it seemed to work well. Um, you know, playing alongside Jerry was was phenomenal. He was always in the right place at the right time, and had a huge engine in him. And I just tried to support him as best I could. Yeah, definitely, and he did, he did a great job, and he went on to win uh, the All Ireland the next two years. And what All Ireland meant more to you personally, Tom, was it stopping the Cats three in a row, or was it the back to back versus Galway? Um, it might this might sound cliche, but it was never about stopping Kilkenny win three in a row. I suppose we were in all four. We were so disappointed after two thousand and three mm-hmm. that we just wanted to redeem ourselves, you know, and have redemption for ourselves and. And proved that we could win on the biggest stage. We were after losing. Uh, we won a month to final in 03. We lost the final. We lost a month to final in 04 again. So, you know, there was people probably beginning to question maybe this cost team aren't up to what, what people say they are, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was more that we wanted to get get over the line and win that All Ireland, you know. For, for a lot of us, it was our first All Ireland. For a few of the lads, it was their um, second All Ireland. So it, it was more that and probably probably that, Sean, because it was just that feeling of redemption and that feeling of um, probably subconscious pent-up anger that had been inside us since 2003 that it was just a, a, a real kind of outpouring of emotion that day, you know. Yeah. Um, I remember on the day, actually, the final whistle went and you know we were kind of all jumping around the place and three, three men... Three men came and met me, and they were kind of shaking me, and, and I, I was trying to push them away because they wanted to go to some of the players who were able to celebrate. And mm-hmm. I just kind of snapped out of the zone I was in, and it was uh, two of my uncles and my cousin, you know. Yeah. So it was it was phenomenal seeing him on the pitch, um, and and it was, it was probably just that feeling of the first All Ireland, and I suppose for myself personally, I come from a small rural club, um, so it was great to represent them on the grand stage and to to have someone and to have. Our, our club and our parish up in night this month. Fantastic, yeah, it's a great, great to be able to represent your parish on such a big occasion. But I oh, suppose, yeah. I suppose, on, on that then, Tom, there's been no All Ireland since, and after winning Munster in '06, uh, there was a couple of barren years for Cork that led up to the strikes in 2009. Could you talk to me a bit about that, and would there be anything either group would have changed looking back now, knowing how everything played out? Well, I suppose if you, if you told me in 2005, that evening or that day or the following day, that in 2021, the Cork still wouldn't win in Ireland, you know, people probably would have laughed at yeah. But um, between one thing and another, I suppose, 06, Kilkenny came back strong. And uh, I suppose they were, it was the beginning of them as a great team. And in terms of what they achieved in later years, 
you know, people always say, God, if you beat Kilkenny, you know, six where they have gone with Brian Cody, he'd been after, he wouldn't have won in Ireland since 2003. But I, I, I don't know, is that a mute point? Because they, they were such phenomenal players that were coming together that I think it was just a case of when and not if, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and in all likelihood, Kilkenny would have stuck with Brian Cody and, and get them to win in Ireland. From a Cork point of view, yeah, look, the, the strikes are well documented in terms of what happened over those years. Uh, I, I I suppose, in a way, looking at it, you know, Kilkenny were coming, they were a new force of big, physical, powerful players, and maybe we were kind of coming towards the end of our, 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 our routine and our our play and our style of play probably needed a change. Um, it, it's hard to put your finger on. That that Kilkenny team were so dominant that you know it took until Tipperary in 2010 to to get them defeated. You know, mm-hmm. um, no, I I'll, I'll always argue that there was a bit of luck against us. You know, against Waterford in 2007 in the drawn game. You know, we should have seen out that game. Was it a free out against Dunlop that time? I, I don't necessarily think it was. Um, you know, small things then, and okay, 2009 was a bad season. Uh, 2010 we lost the Munster final against Waterford after replay and off and Turl at the wet night probably should have seen out the drawn I think it was the drawn against Tony Brown got a goal um, so we, I, I think small things just seem to go against us for one reason or another was it they conspiring against us who knows yeah. but um, yeah it's disappointing to look back at your career Sean and, and see that we won so much earlier in my career and as the career went on for a lot of us uh, I suppose we didn't win much more, if anything, with Cork afterwards. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of, I look at my career as the first four or five years up to 06, maybe, and, and kind of the middle of the years to 10 or 11, and then probably my last couple of years in 12 and 13. Um, but definitely luck has seemed to desert Cork in, in a way, you know, from from, what, from where we were. Um, I suppose you could argue, like, you know, you look at the great Liverpool teams and the great Man United teams and any teams that the the players that were there, they were they had and the great Kerry teams from Longo that you know they had such a hold in the positions and the team that um, when those players retired, it took a while then for a new crop to come through and stamp their own identity on it. And maybe that was maybe that was a factor too, you know. Um, but it's, it's something that will be forever asked, I suppose. Yeah, definitely, and. Um... To be fair to you, after all those barren years, you still stuck with it. And um, to be still involved in 2013 was fair going, but you eventually got to the final and lost to Clare in the replay. But how tough was that to take, the defeat, especially the first day out? Yeah, it was disappointing. Like, I suppose then when Jimmy came in in 2012, like any cost team that goes out every year, is obviously um, touted as All-Ireland champions, and that would have been a goal for the team as well. But... You know, likelihood, um, deep down, we were probably thinking, you know, this is probably a couple, two, three-year project in terms of what needs to be done. Um, so David Matthews was in with Jimmy Barry, and there was a lot of heavy training done in 2012, and we got to the semi-final, and, you know, it was no bad, no bad performance. I think we, we could have contested the league final in 2012 as well. Um, but I was, at that stage, I was probably in and out of the team, and even at the end of 2012, uh, I was newly married, I suppose, and I was conscious that I wanted to give my club a, a couple of years where I was still in the, I suppose, in, in, in good settle. Mm-hmm. Um, but he stayed on for 2013, and the year the year went well, you know. We, we, did, we did okay in the league. We, we had a good break at that time, unlike, I suppose, the last couple of years. You know, you finish your league and you have a good, I'd say we had a good nine or ten weeks until the championship, you know. So it was nearly like a second pre-season. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, as the year went on, I, I was playing wing back and I had a poor semi final against Dublin and I was, I was beat. I was a sub for the All Ireland final. So I was kind of disappointed in that. Uh, I'd given the selectors a stick to beat me with, you know, my performance in the semi final at, at that stage of my career, you know. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I probably knew that there wasn't much left in terms of my career with Cork. And um, I, I was disappointed because I always, I always seemed to like playing against Clare and it always seemed to um, go well for me. I was disappointed from that point of view from starting the final because I don't think I'd ever lost the clear in championship up, up until the 2013 or early Um So it's, um, that was disappointing. But again, you know, it, it just looked, seemed to desert Cork on the day. It was a fantastic game, obviously. But, uh, you know, we were pointed up going deep into injury time. Stephen Mylan got a sideline. And I remember thinking at the time, if he put this dead wherever it goes the game is up like mm-hmm. the clock was up on, on the big screen and that's in, in fairness to Stephen that's what he did he put it wide on the far side um, but then Brian Gavin let the play go on and it just seemed to desert us you know for a cornerback to come up and get the equalising score he could I'd say he could have taken that shot another hundred times and it wouldn't have gone over you know yeah, it um, so yeah it was a bit mad and it just seemed to sum up the luck that Cork had for the for the previous seven, eight, nine years you know it did um, and while, you know, I remember thinking at the time, or thinking 12 months later, you know, watching drawn games, you know, when you watch a drawn game, there's nearly always a winner and a loser. You can just see it in mm-hmm. the body language of the players and, uh, and the supporters. And if you saw the Clare players that day, it was much a case of, you know, they were kind of jumping around the fist because they knew they got out of jail, whereas the Cork players, myself included, were probably kind of a bit dumbstruck. And I remember thinking on the pitch, we were saying, like, come on, let's get off the pitch because we just... We didn't want to be in full view of the hurling world that we were still on the pitch and we had drawn there on the final, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, Claire had probably gained the march on us for the replay, and it, the fact that it was until three weeks later that time, um, probably suited Claire to work on more. Um, but yeah, it was it, that was disappointing, Sean, from that point of view. That was, I kind of knew then that I knew I was finished then, and it was disappointing to go. It would have been lovely to finish on an All Ireland success, yeah. and you know, to walk away into the sunset, all that kind of stuff, but. Um, sport is cruel and that's the way it is but for me personally it was just disappointing that I didn't start that game those two games really because um, I'd given the selectors a stick to beat me with and look that's something that's done that I live with for the rest of my days but as I said such a sport we all have uh, disappointment in life yeah that's sport and look it wasn't all bad for you in 2013 I suppose you did hang up the inter-county boots but you were still doing your bit for Granada and uh at the end of the year, you actually won the, the double county. And how would that achievement stack up against your inter-county achievements, Tom? Now, bear in mind, there'll be a few Granada lads listening to this as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in look, in one sense, they're chalk and cheese, you know, like they're falls apart in terms of what they represent and what they mean. But in another sense, they're both really high up there on the achievement scale. Um, obviously, growing up, you know, you, you grow up in the parish and you play with the club and the, the lads you you grew up with and that's what you want to achieve and for a small club like ourselves we, we didn't win an adult county until 2007 in football um, and we spent years trying to get out of the junior hurling championship in Midcock and the junior county championship and I suppose when that finally came it was a real real relief even you know to the older generation who had played for many a year down through the years who would have been struggling to field teams and to keep the club afloat like, like many a club around the country and the 70s and 80s you know so um, yeah that was a real that was up there with winning All-Ireland really to be honest Sean you know because yeah. 
it was such a big thing that we wanted to do and win a junior county. Um, it was miserable conditions to stay in day against Kilbrin, but I, I was lucky enough actually the last day of the game I, I had the sitters when the referee blew the whistle, so I still have that here at home. Oh, um, and that that that'd be that'd be up there with a with medals from Cork and and things like that and our Lawrence, you know. Ah, uh, yeah, definitely something to be proud of. Anyway, and look, you've you've since retired, and as you've mentioned, you were training Granada at the moment. You're going to be training UCC teams and. For a fella that's had such a long and successful career, have you really come to terms with the fact now that your playing days are over? Um, I think so. I think in my mind, Sean, for the last couple of years playing for now, I, I was kind of content in that. I was at the stage where I was probably playing games and I, it'd be wrong to say it didn't bother me if we weren't won or lost, you know, but, I, you know, playing all along through the years with Cork and Grenada, you know, if games didn't go well, I'd, I'd really, not that I'd take it to heart, but, you know, I'd be, It'd probably be difficult to talk to straight after the game or that night, and yeah. I I put it to bed after that, you know. But um, I, I in my later years of Granada, especially the last year, so I was probably going to games, going, you know, if, look, if we win this game, brilliant, we win it. If we don't, then you know, I'll I'll keep going and I'll, I'll enjoy myself, you know, at the same time. Um, so I knew I was probably at the stage where I needed to check out because that's probably not the right attitude to take in a game. Plus, I felt that. Um, and that, you know, there's younger players coming through, and while it'd be great to, you know, like any club, there's a former player who played county, inter county, etc., etc., that's the same with them. But I felt they needed to kind of um, let it become their own team, if that makes sense. You know, that the long, younger lads come in, they put a stamp on it, mm-hmm. uh, they have their own crack, and, you know, they take the ownership of, of winning matches and things like that. No, we, we have small numbers, okay, and it might be a bit of a selfish view, but I think in the long run, it might do them better in terms of. Um, going on and trying to achieve more for themselves as a group and as a team I'm happy to be training now this year and, and to give you um, my experiences out of the game you know it's like any re- any any coach worth their salt doesn't have all the answers to any any one particular um, aspect of the game and it's just my take on how I felt the game was played and they can take that on board and kind of marry it with their own their own thoughts and, and let's see how far that gets us you know but no, I'm, I'm. I think I'm. I think I'm uh, okay with not playing anymore. It took a while, I suppose, when you finish up with Cork, you, you don't miss the training, you don't miss all the toing and going. But you know, when when the championship days come around, you'd miss the buzz of going out to the pitch, yeah. the crowd roaring, the national anthem, that kind of thing. Yeah. But um, there's a lot of work to get to that stage, you know. Yeah, there is no doubt. And I suppose finally, Tom on, on Cork, then um, they've started the league well enough. And do you think there's that elusive All Ireland in the group of lads that's there at the moment? Yeah, look, I was only, I'd say I was only talking to my father over the weekend and saying, no, no, Patrick Horgan really deserves an All-Ireland for e- even the level of performance that he's pu- still putting in nearly 13 or 14 years, years later. It's incredible. Um, I, I think it's a bit different nowadays in the sense that obviously Limerick are All-Ireland champions. They're a lot um, more physical, such like Galway, than most of the other teams, but I think nowadays there's there's a lot of tactical acumen around the place in terms of on sidelines with petitions and um, video analysis and all that kind of stuff. You know that uh, it was it was probably starting back when I was playing in my career, but it's it's a lot more level playing. You know, you know people are saying the Cork the way Cork are playing now, and it's a bit like um, lacrosse and they're just passing the ball and like soft. You know they're playing to their strength. That's the way it is. If 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 Cork were 
we'd say playing the likes of the way Kilkenny played back in the noughties where you know you got the ball you won your own ball you hit it down to the next line of the field or down into the corner corner forward and he wins his ball and gets scored I don't think Cork would um, be contenders mm-hmm. but I think the way they're playing and the style they're playing and the fact now that it's coming into the summer that um, they can bring a good freshness they have a bit more depth to their panel um, a lot of the players coming through from under 20 would have been kind of very successful players from my, from academies and development squads and that kind of thing so seem to be coming through together you know in, in twos and threes and fours as opposed to just one off yeah. players mm-hmm. so I think that will get them is there a loose Ireland in them um, I'd like to think there is like even if if you go back to 2018 again you know there were six points up but six or seven minutes to go in that Ireland semi-final yeah. and just a bit just a bit of luck deserted them you know mm-hmm. um, and and I know people might say, oh, that's an easy thing to say, you know, that luck doesn't win your games nowadays, but you need that bit of luck sometimes, especially at that level, because um, one one small margin, one small turn can have a huge bearing on a season. Um, you know, in a club scene, it might be a bit different where um, the, the stronger club nearly always comes to the fore, but at inter-county, they're all at a certain level that it's very, very fine margins can push a team on to greater things. So, um I'd be about 70% of the way there thinking that Cork win in Ireland this year. But if they can get that bit of luck or that just rub it a green on the big days, that could take them a long way in the season. It could. We'd all we'd all love to see it anyway. And uh, Tom, look. Oh, big time, yeah. It, it, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure, By Thanks a million for joining me. No problem, Sean. Best luck with everything. Moving on to this weekend then, and we pretty much have the holy grail of sport. In GA, we have the continuation of the National Leagues. And also the commencement of the Ladies Football League season. Later on today then we have the Heineken Champions Cup final. that will be played between La Rochelle and Toulouse in what's sure to be a cracker in Twickenham. In football on Sunday we have the final day of the Premier League with the Champions League places yet to be confirmed. Also the second major of the year the PGA Championship at the Ocean Course in Kauai Island is also taking place. In basketball the NBA playoffs are kicking off. And there's also the small matter of the Monaco Grand Prix to look forward to, so there's definitely no shortage of action this weekend. So that's it for this week's edition of Over the Bar. Thanks for listening. I'm Sean Holland and this is West Cork FM. (laughs) 